0: So tonight we are going to be covering 1st Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 8 to 11. This is part three of a sermon, short sermon series, I guess mini-series within our study in 1st Thessalonians called The Coming Wrath of God. And we've been talking about the day of the Lord. Uh, and, and that's been the huge kind of overarching theme of this passage. And just to give a short recap of what I covered last time, last time from verses four to seven, we looked upon how the day of the Lord is meant to keep us awake and sober. In other words, it's to keep us alert and and for us to exercise self-control for us to be disciplined, focused upon the end. Really it's, It's about endurance it's about enduring to the end right it's it's like we're it's like we're in a plane and we're we're piloting a plane and and we don't we we can't take off unless we know where the destination is or else we'll be flying aimlessly until the until what until the fuel runs out and we crash there's always a destination a purpose and we need that this is why we study the end times is so that we know the destination. We know that there's a purpose behind everything, a purpose behind all the good and bad in the world, a purpose behind our lives, behind every action we do, behind all that happens to us. God has a purpose to everything, and we see that when we start studying what God has in plan for this world. This is why the end times is so important. This is why scripture talks about the end times a lot. And, and from verses four to seven, what we covered what we covered was that this passage, this passage as a whole, from verses four to 11, I talked about five principles, five principles that will help us endure to the end. And, and the first two principles that we covered last time was this: First, to remember your identity. And verses four to five talks about us being sons of light, sons of day. In the ESV, it says children of light, children of day. So remember that our identity is in the light, not in the darkness. And, and to remember that, and help that, help that the identity build into our lives, be saturated to us, for us to cling on to that, to know that we are walking with God who is light. And then, we saw in verse 6 to 7 that we need to solidify our disciplines, to, to stay awake, to stay alert, to be sober and not drunk. And we, we, and I focused upon this, this difference between sober and, and drunkenness. And, and to, be, to be drunk is to be someone who allows their, their thoughts, their emotions, control their behavior. Right when, you, when you're drunk, you lose control over all these things. But when you're sober-minded, you're thinking clearly. You have a focus in mind. You know the differences between right and wrong and you're disciplined. You're disciplined to walk in the way of the light. And so verses 6 and 7 talks about that. And now we're going to get into the last three principles of this passage. The last three principles of this passage will help us understand what it means to be sober. How do we stay sober? Why must we be sober? What is this concept of being sober-minded? Let me go ahead and read a passage for us first. Um, in order to get, again, to get a grasp of the entire passage, I'm just going to read the entire passage starting from verse 1 of chapter 5. So take your Bibles. Turn with me to First Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to read starting from verse one reading from the ESV. This is the word of God. Now concerning the times and the seasons brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. The third principle of this passage, it builds on the first and second principle. And it's going to be understanding how we are to keep our minds clear, to keep our minds sober, to think through all this. And this, the third principle is to prepare your defenses. To prepare your defenses. Let me make a few notes here in verse eight. In verse eight, there's some grammar that we should be aware of here. It says here, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober. And that word, be sober, it, it's, It's in the present tense in the Greek, meaning we are to be habitually sober. We are to be disciplined in our ways, to be day by day, constantly reminding ourselves to be sober, to live in this way. This is about exercising self-control all the time. And then Paul here says, gives us the reason why we must be sober. He says, having put on the breastplate of faith and love before a helmet, hope of salvation. And now that, that phrase, having put on, having put on, it's, it's a part, participle verb. And, and what that means here, the participle verb is, is in the Greek tense, it's called aorist tense here. So it's different from the present tense that we see in be sober. And what that means is that we have to view this action as a whole, right? When we're taking this action, we're seeing it as a whole from beginning to end. And we, and and the implication of all of this, the implication of, all of this is that we have already put on the breastplate and the helmet, and we are not to ever take it off. Paul here is saying that having put on the breastplate, breastplate and helmet here, Paul is saying. We're not to like kick it off at night and put it back on in the morning. This is on us all the time. And as this is on us all the time, this is why we must be sober. We must be alert. Paul here is is giving us this illustration, right? It's to remind us that, you know, because we have this armor, we must be ready. You must understand what's going on in this world. You must be ready to fight. Ready for war. We're talking about spiritual war here, right? I mean when when we put on armor, we, we don't put on armor to go to sleep, right? Try imagine putting on this breastplate and the helmet and just laying down in bed. You're just you're probably gonna, I don't know, roll around and knock down something and and you can't do that you you put on the armor and the helmet in order to be prepared to be ready for anything to be ready for action, to be ready to defend yourself so 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 paul here Paul here is talking about this breastplate and this helmet let's take a look at this what this what this breastplate of faith and love is and what this helmet is as well. many of us when we think about the armor of God, we think about Ephesians chapter six, right? It's the most detailed description of the armor of God. But it actually, Paul here actually takes the reference from the Old Testament, right? From both Ephesians and first Thessalonians, both written by the apostle Paul. He took the te- He took this reference from Isaiah chapter 59, verse 17, where in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 17, it is God who puts on this armor. Specifically, is the servant of God, Jesus Christ, the suffering servant. And in Isaiah 59, verse 17, it says this about God, what he does. He says he puts, on the, he puts on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He puts on garments of vengeance for clothing and he clothes himself in zeal as a cloak. God puts on all this to, to battle spiritually the sins of this world, the evils of this world. And now this armor becomes ours because we are the body of Christ. and We must put on this armor to protect ourselves as we are in Christ. Paul here mentions two pieces, right? In Ephesians, he mentions a bunch of pieces, but here in 1 Thessalonians, he only mentions two. And here he speaks about the breastplate of faith and love. This faith and love here, they're they're, they're united together as two sides of the same coin. One commentator puts it this way. He says, faith acts as the inward attitude of the believer, while love is the proper outward expression of the Christian life. So faith is inward attitude. Love is the outward expression. And then we look at the helmet here. The helmet here is called the hope of salvation. And the hope here is being equated to the helmet. The the hope points towards a future salvation, a a future perfection, a future fulfillment of salvation that we will finally receive. What The picture that we get here in verse 8 is that faith, love, and hope, the three christian virtues that paul begins this letter with If if you turn back to chapter one with me and you look at starting verse three chapter one verse three paul here talks about the thessalonians and he says he remembers before our god and father your work of faith your labor of love and your steadfastness of hope in our lord jesus christ and he goes on to talk about how these three virtues are a demonstration of evidence that God has chosen them. It says in verse 4, For we know, brothers, love by God that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. And so the, the, the picture that we get here is that Paul sees these Thessalonians' faith, love, and hope growing. And that's evidence that God has saved them. And in the rest of this letter, arguably, Paul here is telling them, keep growing, keep growing these virtues. Never let these virtues diminish from your life. Now, why must we put on this armor? Why must we put on this helmet? What is is out there that that we need to be so ready to defend ourselves from? To understand this, to understand the day of the Lord and all the dangers that are coming, the warnings that we get, let us turn to Matthew chapter 24. Let's look how Jesus talks about the end times. Matthew chapter 24. We're going to look at verse 3 to 14. Matthew chapter 24, verses 3 to 14. And here, Jesus, with his disciples, he says this, As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming of the en- and of the end of the age? So in other words, the disciples here are going to Jesus, their teacher, and they're, they're asking him, What is the sign? When is the day of the Lord coming? When is the end to be here? Jesus answers him in verse four. See that no one leads you astray. Now that's a strange response. He didn't really answer the question. Instead, Jesus here warns the disciples, make sure you don't go astray. Why? Verse five. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nations will rise against nations, and kingdoms against kingdoms, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are buts the beginning of the birth pains again we get here just understanding that jesus says that there will be tough times for you for the church that disciples of christ followers of christ when they before the end comes there will be many who will try to deceive you There'll be many who will try to lead you astray, to take you off the path to God, the path to heaven, to bring you from the narrow gate to the wide gate. This is what the world does. And then verse nine, Jesus keeps explaining this. Then they will deliver you, the church, you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away, and betray one another, and hate one another. This, this is sad. Right? Before the end times, there will be many whom we consider brothers and sisters in Christ. They will fall away. They will betray Christ, and by doing so, they will betray you. May this not be you. Many will fall away, betray one another, and hate one another. Verse 11, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. This this is devastating. Just, Just consider for a moment the world around us. And I'm not saying that the tribulation period started, but but what I do know is that when we think about just the kind of environment we're in, how easy it is for us to be distracted, how easy for us to be led astray, for us to not consider this path that we're on with Christ to be sure, to be true. It's so easy to be deceived. For instance, think about the abundance of digital information out there for the consumers. Think about all the people online and and think about what society has bought into in terms of this consumer mentality. And, And what happens with that, and I'm not saying that the internet is bad or online shopping is bad, but if we consider what's going on here, the gospel of Jesus Christ has become almost like another shopping option and another item in the shelf is that like for instance if you're shopping for religion christianity will fall underneath the aisle of like monotheism and then you have the eastern religions in another aisle and you can shop for whatever religion you want you can choose what you want you can pick out maybe one day i want to be a buddhist maybe the other day i'm going to study a little bit of islam even the cults that are out there, we talk about Mormonism and Jehovah Witnesses, they're just picking and choosing off the shelf. And and, and it's so easy that we think about the different options, the mentality that we have these days. Right? If, if, I was, if I was Satan, in order for me to deceive other people from the way from the truth, I would dilute the truth by presenting all these other options. I will present all these other options and say like, God, God is just a personal choice. You can choose amongst all these choices who you want to be your God. That's, that's what I would do if I wanna hide the truth, right? You put out more and more lies out there, put out more and more options. It's so easy for us to be deceived. And, and when we look upon what Jesus says here, right? In Matthew 24, How many will fall away? We have to kind of think and wonder how many of us are at the church now because we decided, we thought we chose to be here amongst all the other religions and we say this one looks the best for one for us. So easy to be deceived. So easy for us to betray one another. So easy for us to fall away. encouragement from, from Matthew chapter 24 comes in verse 13 we read here Jesus says but the one who endures to the end will be saved The one who endures to the end will be saved. Verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Not going to get into what that verse 14 means, but the truth is that we, the church, will stand strong. The church will continue to endure because Jesus Christ said that I will keep my church. It is not the fact that you chose God, but that God chose you. And that's why you can exercise your faith, love, and hope and endure to the end. It's about this endurance. It's about this faithfulness all the way to the end. And so we turn, coming back to 1 Thessalonians, we're talking now about being sober, exercising soberness to be sober-minded, it's us then disciplining our minds, our souls, our hearts, disciplining all of that upon the word of God so that we will be alert and prepared to put on this breastplate of faith and love, to put on the hope of salvation, to to allow these Christian virtues be dominant in our life so that it affirms our salvation and it protects us, protects us from temptation of falling away. This, then, is how we prepare our defenses. Then verse 9 to 10, we'll see the fourth principle, which is to ground your security. To ground your security. And this is to ground our security in Christ. Right? Verse 9, God says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to attain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Jesus Christ died upon the cross. He died upon the cross so that you will not suffer wrath. You will be saved. We get here. What we get here is understanding, understanding of what the day the Lord it's trying to teach us the reason why we have to think about this, why the reason why we study end times is because the day of the Lord is it's not it doesn't be it's not a theological truth that scares you into heaven, though it is scary, like based on the passage we just read. But the day of the Lord reminds us of reality. The reality that this world that we're in is not in our control. The reality that no matter how much we try, we will never master this world. The reality that it is God who is in control and we must answer to him. We don't get to choose what's right or wrong. God does. And God has prepared a day of wrath to come, but in Christ, in Christ, that day, is no longer wrath for us, it becomes our salvation. And, and that's amazing. Because we know when that day comes, if we didn't have Christ, we would deserve death. We would deserve to be punished for our sin of rejecting God as our king. Our treason against God will face. It's due justice at the day of the Lord. But God here, God here is prepared a day of wrath to come. And that wrath that wrath was taken by Christ on the cross. My friends, if you guys don't know Christ today, what we see here. What we see here is that God so far has not brought the day of the Lord to us yet. The day of wrath, the day of judgment hasn't come yet. Instead we are currently in this time and yes there's a bunch of stuff happening around us right now but it's to remind us that there is, there needs to be hope in God. To remind us that this world is not in our control. It's to remind us that we need to an answer to God. And right now God may seem silent but his silence is your grace because when the day of the Lord comes God will no longer be silent and his sentence against your life may be condemnation What we witness here what we experience here now this is God being slow to his anger God patiently waiting for you to confess your sins repent God here, God here is preparing a day for you, but, that day, but before that day comes, there is grace. Grace for you to turn to him. And so when we look upon this verse, we look upon this verse and we see hope, hope that we can indeed obtain salvation, hope that we can gain freedom in Christ, freedom to worship him, be in his presence to to not be condemned if you take a look with me at verse 9 it says here to obtain salvation through our lord jesus christ And, and that phrase to obtain salvation to obtain salvation here is it's it's actually not a verb in the greek it's a noun and so the nasb actually got it the translation more correct here. The NSB says God has not destined us, God has destined for us the, for the obtaining of salvation. It's a noun. So why does Paul here use a noun? Why didn't Paul just say God has not destined us for salvation? Or God has not destined for us but for salvation, right? Why, why, didn't, why, use, this, why use this noun here? What we see here is that Paul here is emphasizing the dual nature of our salva- about our salvation? Salvation indeed is God saving us, but at the same time, it is also obtained by us enduring to the end. And we, we saw that back in Matthew chapter 24. It us who endure to them end will be saved, but yet it is still Christ who brings us. Become sons of light, to live in the light. We see here a dual nature of our salvation. Right? We, cannot, we cannot emphasize God's sovereignty and election so much that we neglect our own work, but we also can't raise our work up as if we did anything of worth. We don't deserve to be saved. if Christ did save us, and therefore we can walk in the way of the light. What all this means is that we must be sober. We must stay sober to the end, but to stay sober is hard work. It's hard work. It's, it's hard to stay sober, but yet that's the great thing about what Christ did on the cross. Because when we struggle, when we fail, Christ what Christ did on the cross, when he died for us, it secured our salvation. Right in verse 10, Jesus died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Doesn't matter what state we're in. Christ's death has secured our salvation for eternity. That is good news. That nothing can separate us from obtaining this salvation. Nothing deny us this gift of grace and what all this means is that to pursue anything or anyone else other than christ diminishes what christ has done on the cross right? to, to say that i rather do something else other than follow god is to say that jesus death that was cool but i'd rather have what this other guy is having you know We have to understand that when Jesus died on the cross, it did secure our future salvation, but that gift of grace is also transformative. It, bring, it brought us out of the darkness into the light. It made us children of light, children of day. So we can then walk in that way to truly embrace this gift of grace to truly embrace this gift of grace is that that means we endure. We endure to the end. And that perseverance, that endurance that you can have, that brings witness and testifies about our faith, love, and hope to the rest of the world. And the, the best description that we have of this is actually found in Scripture when in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul describes our relationship with Christ as a marriage, right? The thing about marriage, a marriage, marriage is hard work, right? You work to keep your marriage intact, keep it faithful, right? And, but, but you're, when you're married, you're not working to be married. You're working because you are married and you're trying to be faithful to the end. That's why this imagery of God being our, Our husband, church being his bride is such a beautiful picture because we're already in a covenant relationship with God. To live that out is to be faithful to the end, to to not walk away from this marriage, but to stay faithful to God all the way to the end. And if, again, if you're here tonight, and you don't have this kind of relationship with God. Let me remind you that today is a day of grace. Today is a day when you come to know Jesus Christ, to, to see that the wrath of God that was meant for you was poured out on his own son. He died so that you may live. You can repent today. If you repent today and confess your sins to God and, and and submit yourself submit your life to God to follow Christ you will indeed become a son of light and you will then be married to Christ you can walk in his way and obtain the salvation from your sins to be with Christ and if you're, you can do that if you you have to remember you're not just choosing God, but you are, you are choosing to put aside all else, to know God as the only true way in life, to know Christ as your one single treasure. This year, this year today is a day of grace when you can come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Which leads us then to our fifth principle. Our fifth principle found in verse 11. Paul here concludes his teaching on the end times. He says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. You see here that we must build our accountability. The fifth, the fifth principle. We must build your accountability to build one another up to encourage one another to to bring one another to run this race hand to hand together towards the end paul here speaks about mutual edification strengthening every one of us plays a role in building up the body of christ right notice in verse 11 the one another statement it's it's this is this is all of our responsibility for us to continue to build one another up, to encourage one another in preparing the church for the day of the Lord. And sometimes, sometimes we can look upon this passage here and we can think to ourselves, you know, this is, this is a lot. I mean, how am I supposed to stay alert and sober to the end? And, and, and the, the temptations of the world just seems like a lot. It's, it's just so easy to desire all these different things before me, to, to, to want to pursue after these things. The, the temptations are just too great. And, and it feels like sometimes maybe the breastplate that I have is just too small. The helmet just doesn't fit right. And, and I don't know. I don't know if I can defend myself. This is why we need brothers and sisters in Christ to build us up, to encourage us, to remind us to endure to the end, to follow what Hebrews chapter 10 says. And in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 or verse 23, he's, the author Hebrew Hebrews says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. How do we hold fast? Verse 24, let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so the author of Hebrews says, we must encourage one another to stir one another, to love and good words, to meet together. And, and I know that right now, maybe that's probably really difficult. But we are still the church, no matter how far apart we may be physically. Technology has allowed us to stay connected. And we are always connected in Christ. Again, we, we think about this world we think about how COVID-19 has pulled the church apart and not just because the virus makes us have to act six feet apart, but even consider just the arguments around this virus, right? The arguments around face masks, politics, singing indoors and reopening churches and and all these other things, like there's just so much debate going on and, and it can divide the church. And we have to keep this in mind that, that we're, not, we're not putting on a breastplate and a helmet because we're fighting a physical battle. We are fighting a deeply spiritual battle. Satan wants each one of you to feel alone, to feel separated. He wants you to feel overwhelmed by your weaknesses. And this is why we must depend upon the word of God to tell us, let us encourage one another and build one another up so that you will not be overcome by this world. And the great great foundation of the church, the cornerstone is found in Christ. We will stand united because of Christ. Christ died for his church and he will not forsake it. So do not let this world pull you away Do not let this world pull you away from the body of Christ. Instead, clear your minds. Be sober. Clear your minds from all this crazy information that's out there that's being spread through the media, that's online platforms. Let's let's clear our minds and let's be sober-minded and awake. Let's think about biblical truths. And let us have scripture discern, discern what's going on around us. Let us remember that we are all fighting the same battle. We're fighting a spiritual one. The church, the church is, is, we're not just a social group. We are the body of Christ. We stand united together. And so let us not be alone. Even though we may be separate, we are not divided. If you guys wanna get a better sense of this, follow our social media where Pastor Hanley has been putting out weekly devotions about how the church is not just about Sundays. It is every day we build one another up. Let us encourage one another to think biblically, to act faithfully so that we can exercise our love for one another. Let us help one another up in our needs in our struggles, in our weaknesses. Let us encourage one another to hold on to hope, to, to understand our hope is the eternal one. Let us practice faith, love, and, and hope with one another. Let us, let us be strengthened together. Let us remember that it's the Savior who unites us. The Savior who unites us. It's Jesus Christ who keeps us to the end. Let us not neglect so great a salvation. The day of the Lord is coming for us who believe it will be a glorious day, a joyous day, a day of salvation. And We we take a look at this again in verse 11. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11 tells us to encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And that phrase, just as you are doing, it's a repetition throughout First Thessalonians. Paul here understands that the Thessalonians know Scripture, they know the gospel, they remember his teachings, and they have been exercising faith, love, and hope to one another already. He's telling them to keep doing it, to, to keep on building. And grounding their faith to prepare their defenses to solidify their disciplines to remember their identity. In other words, there's a reason why we constantly tell you to repeat the gospel message to yourself, to repeat it to your small group, to tell your struggling brother and sister who may have a family member in the hospital to remind them the gospel to tell person who may have lost their job during these tough times remember the gospel to tell those who may be feeling guilty and overwhelmed with their sins who may be coming from a broken family who may be hurt from past oppression or abuse to show them the gospel to remember that we repeat the gospel over and over because that is the truth and we must continue to build upon and when we are such weak and sinful beings I mean, we 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 constantly forget i forget I, i'm terrible with memory i forget you know what things are said to me probably like five minutes before and and we we just need to hear the gospel over and over again we need to hear it and, and, the, and the point again is it's like marriage right couples who go through tough times they constantly have to come back to their vows and remember their vows we must remember what christ did for us how he died for us cleansed us with his blood and and when we truly keep that in mind Right, Hearing the gospel again and again, it's like watching our favorite movie again or watching our favorite sitcom show again. It's not tiring. In fact, it deepens our love. It deepens our love for Christ. It deepens our love for our Savior because it reminds us day by day what it means to live as a son of light. So let us continue then to be sober-minded in this way, to cleanse our minds from, from the lies and the deceit of this world, and to be reminded of the truth. Have that be the light by which we live by. So the big idea then for, for this message, for this, for talking about all this, to right now we've. Just finished part three of this passage, but actually the last four messages has, has been about the day of the Lord, going back to chapter four, verse thirteen. we've been talking about the end times and they kind of summarized all the end times. This big idea is just telling us here is teaching us to endure to the end. The end times teach us to endure to the end by staying focused upon Christ, disciplining our minds with the truth of God's word, and encouraging one another to cling to the glorious work of the cross. The end times reminds us of our destination. Our destination is to be with Christ. But to get there, sometimes we have to remember our beginning. And the beginning also begins with Christ. It is Christ throughout. He is the one who brought us to light. He is the one who will keep us to the end. And so let's, let us endure. Let us endure faithfully, encouraging one another to be there at the end. And so that when that day comes, when that day comes, we can look to one another side by side, and we be like we made it. We are with our Savior. And it will be a wonderful day of joy, and not just for one day, for eternity this this is what the Christian life is all about there is so much to look forward to so with that let me go ahead and end this in a word of prayer let's pray Father I thank you for this message that you have for us that Lord we can truly cling to the cross Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful news it is to know that Christ died on the cross for our sins. And what wonderful news to know that you raised Christ up on the third day to show that you conquered death. And in Christ, we have eternal life. Lord, what what glorious news that is. And so, Father, as you have saved us, keep us then to the end help us be your church help us encourage one another to endure to the end and let us keep our eyes focused upon christ the great reward we have in him let us obtain this full salvation in the end so thank you lord for for all this you are indeed so good so great of us as we go into our discussion groups, let us in these groups encourage one another and point one another towards Christ, our Savior. So, I pray this on your holy and precious name, Amen. Dang. thank you, Brother Gabe, really appreciated that, and wow.